You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Ball Soccer Liberty Podcast on the We're Libertarians Network. I'm your host, Jeremiah Morrill, and as always, I'm joined by our co-host, Dakota Davis. Hey, how's it going, Jeremiah? This is episode 60 today. The big 6-0. Big 60. It's We're, a special episode. Did it's we a, get AARP now? I think so. It's a hostage situation for Dakota. He has no interest in being here whatsoever. <laughs> We're going to... We're going to talk him into liking racing tonight. If you start talking we'll AARP, I'm going to leave. I'm the only <laughs> one that actually gets the mail. Uh, yeah, well, you look young. <laughs> so uh, our show is about our lives in rural Indiana. It's a show about folks who are involved in politics. Not today. Uh, well, Mike's already lost on office, too, so we, we can get into that for a minute. Uh, we promise that our episodes are going to be a fun and easy listen. We interview people who are influencers, elected officials, political experts, and folks we just find interesting. That last one is the catch-all we use to, uh, to cover today. Uh, we are joined. Or this is our Indy 500 preview show. So uh, we are right now five days from the Indy 500, the uh, biggest sporting event in the world uh, and definitely a major thing in central Indiana and in our community. Uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit today, preview the race and talk about uh, the whole month of May and what how we got here. Uh, so we're joined by Mike McCown, who is a noted fellow here in Newcastle. Uh, he's a realtor. He's a photographer. We were just talking to Zach, Zach on the other side of the room over here. He had his high school picture pictures done by, uh, Mike at the beginning of this millennium. Uh, and, uh, but I, Zach and I graduated the same year, so it's, don't, I'm not making him feel old. It's just making Dakota barely, feel young. Barely. <laughs> so, and then, but the cool thing today is that Mike is the, uh, he's a, uh, photographer at the Speedway, uh, entering your 30th year at the track. And you are a uh, what they call an old timer. You're not wearing your old timers hat. Nah, you're wearing I your fuzzies wear vodka hat. Uh, last night was the old timers barbecue, and Thursday night is the uh, is the big shindig coat and tie deal for the Hall of Fame, where they're going to bring in Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart, right? Tony Stewart, and uh, we will also honor Rocket Man Rick Mears there for the 1988 win, Rocket which Man. was my which was my first race there. First officially. one was Rick Mears' third win. Right. There we go. Yep. And that was 30 years ago. God, that's just nuts. It's it's hard to believe that <laughs> when I was sitting in class in 1982, I got a pass to go to the principal's office, which was not that uncommon for me at 16 <laughs> years old. And my dad had picked me up and he stole two can, or, uh, credentials from the Courier Times and took me over there in 1982. I photographed my first uh qualifications day and my first practice day as a photographer over there on an illegal credential (laughs) and in 1988 i became uh an associated press photographer and been there ever since been there legally ever since so on the other side of the room we have zach bircham and zach is uh there's like zach is our token expert well he's not a token expert i I, I put it this way there's not a lot of people that can keep up with me on 500 knowledge and indycar series knowledge and open wheel knowledge Zach's in that club. He knows, he knows what he's talking about. Is that is that fair? I try. I yeah. think in the general public, I do, but I also since there, 
I try to go to events where I don't know anything compared to anybody that I'm in the room with. And so that <laughs> I learned something that way, which is not hard to do with the 500 and IndyCar in general. Yeah. Well, people will say that I, you know, I know everything. <laughs> like there's no, there's, it's, you're scratching the surface. There's so much, there's so much to the history and the tradition of this, this race that I know I'm, I'm familiar with the things I've been present for. I've been going to the track since about, I mean, my first race was like 2003, the first one I attended. I went to, in 1995 as a kid on a school field trip. I think it was the first time I went to the track before Dakota was born, but it doesn't feel like that long. Um, and, you know, you just, I, you remember things. I remember the, you know, we'll talk about a few different things that happened over the weekend and uh, how they how they tie in. But I very clearly remember the stuff in 2011 because I was there, right? And I, I'm guessing you're similar. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember. I can't even remember when my first 500 was. I went to quite a few as a kid. Um, and I can remember, like, for at least the last about 20, 25 years I've been going. So, and then the last 10 or 15 really gotten into going to every, I'm usually at the track every weekend in the month of May or try to be. So you've had the commitment to actually go. I've been, <clears throat> this has been, I'm getting married this year, so that's my excuse. I've not been to the track yet. I'm going to go out on, on carb day and I'll be out with a race day. Hey, I assure you, I'm the only person that's probably ever proposed to their wife <laughs> in an Indy car. In so, an Indy car. Yes. I put Amy in the pole-setting car of Vincenzo Suspiri back in the day, and actually that's when I proposed to my wife. So what year was Vincenzo Suspiri on the pole? 1989? Um, no, 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 no. This would have been um, 98, I think. No, it would have been 97 that I proposed. He was a Dick Simon racer, and he was there one year and one year only. He set the pole and never came back. <laughs> <laughs> that was the race that was run on Tuesday. Yes, it was. Some yeah. guy proposed in his car, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not coming back to that. That's true. So uh, we are going to talk about, I guess, the race in general, starting from nothing. Because Dakota here, he, he's... The, I know nothing. You're going to go for the very first time. Yep. Sunday. Yep, with me, we've we've I talked about the race it a little bit was on Tuesday. Not <laughs> well, if, let us hope not. <laughs> yeah, if it's Tuesday, I'm we're all sick Tuesday. <laughs> um, <clears throat> they haven't had to do a Tuesday race in 21 years, I guess. Um, so it, it's going to be Sunday morning. We're going to go. The race is run at like at noon. We're going to leave here probably at four in the morning. Get lined. Get in line. The gates open at six a.m. And uh, we're going to tailgate, so we're going we're gonna to be the early crowd on 16th Street waiting in line. Gates open at 6. We'll be set up by 7 o'clock if everything goes well. And uh, by, uh, by noon, you'll be, uh, you'll be well buzzed, and you'll have all kinds of new friends out there at the Speedway in the <laughs> turn three. Most infield. of which see, you will never remember or see again. <laughs> see, you told me, um, you know, you invited me to go this year. You invited Audrey and myself, and uh, I was like... All right, you know, I'll I'll go to go, you know. I'll I'll go to uh, go to see and I've never done it before. So I I said yes and looked up the time. I'm like, "Oh, race starts at noon. Um probably have time to go camping Friday and Saturday and then meet Jeremiah at his house <laughs> like 9:30, 10 o'clock. No. Nope. This is the world's largest sporting event. You'll have 300,000 people or 300,000 plus in the same place at the same Better time. Than a Super Bowl? It's just, oh, this is unreal. Really? Yeah. The largest single day sporting event in the world. And up until like the mid 90s, pole day was the second largest single day sporting event in the world. Wow. In terms of attendance for the day. See, I had no idea it was that big. Yeah. So carb day, Friday, there will 
they'll estimates the estimates will be somewhere between eighty and a hundred thousand people will be at Carb Day. Wow. So, which is a big concert. There's two concerts, Train and Blues Traveler play, and they'll have an hour of IndyCar practice and the, the support series. So like the AAA series will be out there on Carb Day practicing. So, so, or they or they'll, they'll run the race, rather, the Freedom they, 100 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, all eight of them. So do they race while the <laughs> concerts are going on? No, no. it's uh, the practice. The IndyCars practice like at 10 o'clock, uh, or somewhere in there, 10 or 11 o'clock. They'll, race, they'll practice for an hour. Uh, the Freedom 100 will go for about an hour, 45 minutes or an hour, and then they'll have a pit stop competition where the uh, all not all of the pit crews, but say the top 12 or 16 teams will do a pit pit stop competition, and then once the track activities end, they will open the concert area up in turn four, and uh, people will go watch. If you're on the ground, you can go see Blues Traveler and train for free. A good oh, deal of awesome. the people will never hear a note. <laughs> what happens during that time in the middle is all the race fans wander out of the track and a bunch of college kids wander into the track and literally they the place probably like 50 percent of the population probably turns over you swap them out yeah in, in about an hour i uh i will i'm a big 90s fan so i will go see blues traveler i saw bare naked ladies last year and uh i will I'll, I'll definitely go check out bill's traveler by the time train comes on i'll be done i'll be ready to go home i don't need to see them but blues traveler i'm, I'm all about uh john popper That'll be fun. He's a Ron Paul guy, Dakota. Is he really? Yeah, for real. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I I did not know that. Yeah, it's uh, there's your libertarian tie-in. So we took check the box. Yeah, now you just have to mention Darren Jacobs' job, yeah, name, and we've this is a real boss hog liberty episode. I'm trying to think of it. So uh, the the race is Sunday. The last two days have been qualifying. The month of May is like this big um, build up. So three weeks ago, we were at the Libertarian Convention, mm-hmm. and it was the first weekend in May. And, Zach, you were out participating in festivities. You, other than being a big race fan, you, you've you got a runner's body, so you uh, you go run marathons yeah. or mini marathons. Right. Yeah, I do, I do marathons occasionally, but I've been doing the mini. That was my 11th year doing the mini. I love doing that. So that's my kickoff for the month of May. I get to go visit the track on foot. So you do 13 miles from downtown Indianapolis out to the west side. You go around the track. And then back, so you you actually circulate the uh, the two and a half mile oval. Yep, come out on turn exit at turn two and exit right there by the fuzzies suites coming out too, coming out. So go fuzzies. <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute as to why Mike's <laughs> Mike is decked out. If you're watching, uh, if you're watching the camera, you can see it. But if you're not, my everybody's in some sort of Indy 500 attire except for Dakota. Fuzzy's in his uh, CFH. Uh, racing, not the not yeah. the Ed Carpenter racing. He's in an old shirt. He's hey, had it for a while. We we were in the real one all weekend, and it would stand <laughs> on its own. So we went with the throwback today. <laughs> so he's in the uh, the Ed Carpenter racing uh, Fuzzy's vodka Chevy. Uh, it's a it's a team uni, really. It's not that's that's uh, yeah, you may be able to buy it for about eighty bucks, but it looks like a, a team crew shirt. It is, and uh, he's got his Fuzzy's hat on. Zach is wearing his hundredth uh, anniversary Indy five hundred shirt. And I've got a uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway shirt on. Uh, Dakota doesn't yet own an Indy 500 shirt, but he will Sunday. Yeah, Sunday we'll we'll get him. We'll we'll get forty bucks out of his pocket and buy something for him. Forty bucks, maybe. What size shirt are you? Are you an XL? I'm a large. I, hey, if you, can if wear you an go XL, to the I'll Chevy trailer and sign your name, you'll get one for free. Hey, there we go. There that's you go. What I do. Promise to test drive a uh, a new uh, a new pace car. That's right. Eighty thousand dollars <laughs> for a uh, for Camaro, and they'll they'll give you a T-shirt. Do they run a credit check? Yeah, <laughs> they used to do test drives. You could literally test drive some of the cars, and the uh, sheriff's department was there with the breathalyzer test to make sure that nobody oh, really? had too much fun before partaking in the driving. I test drove a Chevy Volt there one time. A Volt? Yes, the Volt. Huh? How was that? Uh, was it was. It was. Volt. It was quiet. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, it's very I simple. It was. Trying to turn Zach up here. I don't know which one he is, which one's Zach and which one's Mike. That's my problem. People are telling us that they're having a hard time hearing Zach. We're efforting. Sorry about that. That's all right. Much better. You, you got to project. You remember in the beginning, you've been, a, you've been an early listener of this show. Dakota had to broadcast from his diaphragm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You just have to project. Yep. Get up on it's it. It's on the diaphragm. We'll get you. All right. So the uh, the race is Sunday. The last two days on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, were, um, were qualifying. So, and I've got, I was very upset. Like, I was. Not, I don't care that James Hinchcliffe missed the race, who was one of the biggest stars in the series, and I don't care that James Hinchcliffe missed. You know, I, we, we, we previewed it last week a little bit, saying, hey, you know, we're going to have two, two drivers going to miss the field. The, the Indy 500, there are 11 rows of three. So traditionally, other than a couple of weird examples, 33 cars start this race. So if, if 33 cars show up, then 33 cars run. If 38 show up, then five go home. This year, 35 made it. Th- 35 arrived. So we knew two were going to go home. I don't care that James Hinchcliffe missed. It's great. I want the fastest 33 cars, no matter who it is. I don't care if you're, you know, I don't care if you're Simon Pagano or Will Power or one of the fastest guys or James Hinchcliffe and you missed the race, you missed the race. But I was very annoyed Saturday that we had what sort of been six hours of qualifying, had two rainstorms, and the field was set. You know, they, basically, you everybody was a t- a given one chance to go through the qualifying line. Um should have been a six-hour day. They had about three hours to qualify, three and a half hours to qualify everybody, and that was it. So they had 50 minutes of practice time or open time for yeah. drivers to make additional attempts at the track, and that was it. And Hinchcliffe had a problem or two, and I, I'm not convinced that the fastest 33 had a chance to make the race. That was my annoyance Saturday. I don't think the 5.50 instead of 6 o'clock helped anything by any means. Um, right. You know, lately at the Speedway, it's all about money. You know, and and TV dictated that they wanted ten minutes to ha- play out the drama, and they may have created that drama. You know, um, I I hate to see Hinch not make the race. He's he's a really nice guy. He he is a spokesman for Honda and IndyCar racing, and you know, I felt that way back in the day when Al Junior or Emerson Fittipaldi didn't make the race. You know, right. My Zach, you can help me out with this. In you know, obviously the month of May has become very expensive to run. So it used to be truly a month, and now we have the Grand Prix. We had the you know, you did the mini marathon. Yeah. The next weekend we have the Grand Prix, which is a road course race inside of the Speedway, which is great. And then you have one weekend qualifying. At one time we had two weekends of qualifying, so seven yeah. hours. So you, they would qualify from eleven to six Saturday and Sunday the first weekend, and then the next weekend you'd come back again and have a Saturday and Sunday. So you had twenty eight hours of track time to qualify to set the field. You run one of the 33 fastest laps or 33 fastest qualifying times in those 28 hours, you're in the race. This time you had six hours of time. You had rain cut into half of it, so you had three and a half hours, and you, it just short-circuited everything in my view. So why, do, why, would, they, why would it take so long to get them to qualify? You just, isn't it just- well, four days was too long. You know, standing there watching cars going around for four solid days was too long. They burned up too much tires. It took too much time. They weren't getting attendance, and they had to have all those yellow shirts and all of those security people there. It was too much. Um, I think the thought process behind it was, hey, we're going to take it down to one day to make it exciting, and then the next day the Fast 9 will be exciting, and we'll be able to consolidate four days into two days, and 
not have as much overhead and not be able to do that. Right. I think it probably works. If it's dry. If it's dry. But in May, Indianapolis is yeah. not dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best example in the modern era I had, because I, I, I was I was very annoyed. Like I said, Saturday and Sunday, I was very annoyed with the way this, this it was set up. The, we haven't had real bumping and significant fields. We previewed this on the Robin Miller show we had a few months ago since 2011. 2011 is the last time where you had... 36 cars show up, 35 cars show up, where he had two or three cars. You know, Buddy Lazier had missed the race a couple of years ago, but he was not going to make the race. He was the slowest guy there. Um, and in 2011, they had two days of qualifying. You had qualifying from 11 o'clock until 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock each day. And then they, the Fast 9 still existed where the top nine people are locked in and they get to run for the pole. And that worked really well. But you could still make the race the next the next weekend. Um, and we just didn't have that this time. Or at least have the overnight to fix your car to figure something out. Hinch's run, his aborted run, ended because a tire pressure sensor yeah, so fell the, off in the wheel, and at 200 miles an hour, that turns into a real problem. So basically yeah. they, they made an attempt at, at, you know, their first attempt that they had, they had, he went right after the first rainstorm. So you've got jet dryers out there that are, you don't want to make excuses, but what legitimately happened is you've got a track that was dried by jet fuel. So you've got some residue on the track and he doesn't have the ideal conditions to run. He makes that first attempt and runs a 224 where the, you know, the pace to get into the race is 225 or 226. Then his second attempt that he gets in that last 45 minutes of track time that's there was, you know, he had a tire pressure problem and he never had the opportunity to get back on the track. No. And it's over. But look at Alexander Rossi. I mean, that's the same deal, only he made the show. Right, he made the show. He he was 10th fastest or 11th fastest on Saturday. And he ends up 32nd. And he had a punctured, of, punctured tire, and he right. started at the end of the field. Had he had another day to go out there, you know, he's 10, 11, or 12. Right. And not 33. Yeah, and that that that's the part that's just annoying to me. I I don't care. You know, if Pippa missed the race, fine. I You know, if Zach... If Zach Veach missed the race, if if it was James Davison yeah. who was thirty third, you know th- those things happen. But they need more time to let the story develop, and I think that's the that's where I was just irritated. Um, there have been people that have called for a tw- you know the twenty five eight rule, which is something that came along in the early in the mid nineties when the there was a split between the two series. Um, and I don't think that's what they need to do. I, I'm fine with the thirty three fastest. No, cars. they ended up with thirty five again. Yeah, well, yeah. You know. yeah, that was the last time that that happened. So. I think they just yeah, they they came up with this format and it, some of it works very well. I like the one shot deal on Sunday where they all get one. They go from the slowest qualifiers on Saturday and to the fastest. So the, the last guy should be your pole sitter if he can hold pace from the day before. Um, but they to have them kind of overlap. It's the first year that they really had bumping with this format, and so they kind of figured out that you know, maybe this doesn't work real well. or You need to give them a bit more time. Um, but we'll see. I know they said they'll discuss it. When it's all said and done, but but you know that's what they'll do. The thing you really need to look at: Doug Bowles has done a lot for the IndyCar and a lot for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Doug Bowles if, is the uh, president of the Speedway. Yes, if if he takes a look at it and evaluates it and puts the staff on it, I look for it to improve. You know, he's the guy that they didn't want to have coolers in the track for for Homeland Security reasons, and he says, you know, there are people that have stickers on their coolers from the last 20 years bringing in the Speedway, and that's part of the Speedway. It's part of the tradition of what we do here. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think they'll evaluate it. I, I, I hope that it improves. Um, you know, I think the Fast Nine's a great thing, you know. I think going into the Fast Nine, 
I thought there would be a couple of Andretti cars there that weren't because of the one-shot deal. You know, uh, it, that's the way it works. So you the know? fastest nine you have, uh, th- there are two manufacturers of motors. The, the cars yeah. all look the same this year. We've had, we had different body kits in the past. Now this yeah. year, all of they have a common body to the car. Um, but you have two different engine manufacturers. So there's Chevrolet and there's Honda. <clears throat> uh, Chevrolet was much better this year. So, uh, but I'm not in, sure they're that much in qualifying. Racing. In qualifying, they yeah. were faster. So there were seven Chevys in the top nine and two Hondas. Uh, four teams, I think, were represented amongst all of those, if I remember right. Two two teams were the seven Chevys. Yeah, okay. all of the basically all of the Penske cars and Penske, all the Carpenter cars yeah. were in the top uh, top nine, and then uh, one. Dale coin car. One coin car, Sebastian Bourdais, and, and then Scott Dixon for uh, Ganassi Racing. You know, I, I really don't think we have a big three anymore. You know, it, it's a, a little more level playing field. You knew Penske was going to be strong with all four cars. Um, I think Ed Carpenter Racing was a surprise to put all three in there. Way to go, Spencer Piggott. Way to go, Danica Patrick, you know. Uh, it, it it made for some pretty interesting watching. So after after the qualifying was over, uh, most people expected uh, something to happen that has happened in the past, uh, where if a driver that's a big-name sponsor, to paint the picture for James Hinchcliffe, there's basically like three drivers in this series that are, or maybe four drivers, that have been on reality TV. IndyCar's yeah. like way to get attention has been putting their drivers on reality TV. So Elio Castroneves once danced with the stars and became this huge stud. Uh, Alexander Rossi and Connor Daly did the amazing race and got a number a huge amount of notoriety, and they're both in the race. They're starting 32nd, 33rd, but they're both in the race. James Hinchcliffe finished second in Dancing with the Stars a couple of years ago, developed a big following, and he's now the spokesman. If you watched Dakota, another sport you don't watch, but uh, NCAA, March Madness, if you watched any of the March Madness, James Hinchcliffe was in Honda commercials. Every commercial break, they had James Hinchcliffe and his aero racing Honda in the con- on, in the commercials, selling CRVs, selling Civics, selling Accords. I mean, they pushed James Hinchcliffe and Honda. And then you get two months later, James Hinchcliffe just missed the race. So it's a disaster for Honda, and it's a disaster for, for aero, where you've got millions of dollars tied into this guy, and you're like, well, he missed the race. And that's exposure that IndyCar's been desperately trying to get for the last 22 years yeah. since the split. Since the split happened. So something that's happened in the past, and people assumed that it would happen again, um, there have been examples where huge name drivers, Bobby Rahal, uh, who was a winner in the 80s, and he was the IndyCar Series champion in 1992, he came with Honda in 93 and missed the race, big Miller Genuine Draft sponsorship, and he didn't race. He's just like, well, that sucked, and we lost. Uh, Penske, we talked about that a minute ago with Mike, Team Penske, Marlboro Team Penske, with two Indy 500 winners, the defending champions of the race, Totally missed the boat in 1995, and they went home. But you also have the examples of 1992. Scott Goodyear missed the race. Uh, they put him in Mike Groff's car as teammate, and the guy came back, and he finished second in the race and missed in the closest finish in the history of the race. Uh, and then more recently, 2011, Ryan Hunter Ray, Ryan Hunter Ray and, and DHL and a brand-new sponsorship deal that they wanted to protect and, and have going forward, uh, Andretti Autosport bought a car from uh, A.J. Foyt, replaced Bruno Giancara, who had been a pole sitter. He wasn't a slouch either, but he was kind of a one-off situation. Um, so we kind of expected, with all of the money that was there, that some Honda guy was going to get some sort of a deal would be made, and they would let James Hinchcliffe in the race. Yeah, so what's happened, Zach? 
Uh, nothing's happened so far. Um, I think everybody kind of thought that because if you go to the track right now, there's a gorgeous-looking temporary suite structure built in turn one that's got arrow all over it. And so they kind of run down the options, and um, that team's got two different um, affiliated one-off programs. One of them is not theirs, but it's Michael Shank Racing with Jack Harvey, and then the other one is uh, Jay Howard. And somebody thought, well, they're just going to boot them out. Um, ultimately, it costs money to run those things, and those guys work hard to get those rides going so that was quickly kind of nixed i think the only other option i heard was connor daly um and he if you follow connor daly on social media he's been he works hard he went to, when he do it went and did um the amazing race last year he got back i think the first day he was back and was off of his imposed um kind of isolation he found out he was fired from his driving job last year so um, none of those guys. See any were relation to John Daly? No, he's his dad is Derek Daly, former Formula One driver and Indy 500 driver. He you see on Channel Eight, who uh, Irishman? Yeah, an Irishman. Oh well, yes, I'm but there Derek. There was also Daly. some sponsor ties there. I mean, you have the Air Force. The Air Force is not going to want a Canadian driver in their car. You know, you, it didn't bother. This. It didn't bother the National Guard to have uh, Dan Weldon in their car or Vitor Mira. But yes, it yes. was. Yeah, yeah. But ha- some, but the Connor put that sponsorship like, together. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it, it all boils down to money, you know. So you're saying Canadians don't have very much money? No, I'm saying that, <laughs> I'm saying that the Air Force wants an American in their car. Well, and the, there are more ties. All, all of these cars are on <clears throat> are on the grid because of business relationships that exist. You mentioned the Michael Shank car with Jack Harvey. That car is owned by Michael Shank. It's yeah. not owned by it's, it's not owned by Sam Schmidt. They've got like a technical partnership, yeah, a technical alliance. Uh, and then the the Connor Daly car is owned by Dale, uh, Coyne. Dale Coyne, but it's a technical alliance with a guy named Tom Burns, uh, or a, a, you know it's leased to Tom Burns. Yeah. So it may not be Dale Coyne's decision to make on that car. Um, so then that kind of pointed to Jay Howard, who is the other Sam Schmidt teammate, who's the one off guy. But word is he's like I'm not. I really this car don't up. think any driver has any say so in that. I mean, it, it comes down to the money, the car owner, and the sponsors. You would, yeah, you would think that uh, if the right check was cut, they would just say the hell with it. We're going to pay you whatever you're going to, whatever you gave us. We're going to give you your money back. We'll fight it out in court later, and they could make the deal. Uh, I think if any deal is going to be made, it's going to be with Jay Howard's car. But I, at this point, I don't think it's happening. But I would be I wouldn't be completely shocked if if I the seven be, car was the Aero Electronics Jay Howard or the uh, Aero Electronics uh, James Hinchcliffe car. Yeah, we'll see. I think that it would it'd be kind of a PR nightmare at this point because there's a lot been a lot of backlash to even the thought of doing that, and so it it might look better for them to have James doing PR in the suites, talking people, and then a lot of people said that ABC needs to get him in the booth because he's, if you ever heard an interview with James Hinchcliffe, he's a fantastic guy to talk to. He's real witty, he's quick, and he'd be great in the booth. They need the help in the booth. He may be the Pat McAfee of IndyCar. Oh, he is. Uh, James Hinchcliffe uh, has a podcast, Dakota. He's a competitor of ours. Oh. Off track with Hinch and Rossi. That's right. And he also had the mayor on air before yeah, that. That's right. He had he was uh, syndicated on Sirius XM Radio for a long time, and now he and Alex Rossi, the uh, two years ago, that guy. Well, won how the do we get that slot? I don't know. I guess we gotta we just gotta keep pounding away here, making laps, and someday someday we'll get found. Maybe, hopefully, the uh, the CEO of uh, uh, 
the CEO of Sirius XM is one of the owners of that Michael Shank racing team. Mike, Mike can you uh, pull some strings for us? I don't know that I've got the same race <laughs> for that. <laughs> so this is the uh, the last year this race is going to be broadcast on ABC. Did Mike uh, or Zach, you were probably both at the track, so you didn't have to suffer through the ABC coverage. I heard, I, it was so bad I heard about it. Um it was something like the last 10 minutes and 35 seconds or something like that of television broadcast was six and a half minutes of commercials. John Oriovitz went back and, record, and, and recorded it and made track so that, you know, the, they built this drama. James Hinchliffe's going to miss the race. They missed all but about 20 seconds of Alex Rossi's run in the last 10 minutes. They were not following it. They were in a commercial break. And they even wanted 10 extra minutes for the drama that they didn't play out. That they didn't do. Uh, it was just, it was surreal. There was no, you know, if you're watching a sporting event, you, there's some basic things you want to see. And I went back and watched the Versus coverage because I'm that much of a nerd. I went back and watched the Versus coverage in 2010 and 2011 where you had real, another real bump day. Versus is the group that was purchased by Comcast that became NBCSN. So that that's the same group of people and they're the ones that are going to take over next year. Versus had the times, that the, the bubble speed or the pole speed was on the screen the entire time. You knew what target you had. You knew who was on the bubble, what they needed to achieve. That was none of your business, as Bill Zarin would say. Was that? Did they, did they bring in Will Buxton that year? Uh, I don't think Will Buxton. But Will, Will Buxton, Buxton did a was, little bit, he but was, he wasn't on that year. No, he was. I knew he was in Indianapolis one year when NBC Sports versus had qualifications, and yeah. But they had. I mean, they had Wally Dolan back. They had uh, Townsend Bell was still in the race, and so was um, Paul Tracy. But they had Bob Jenkins. Uh, Jan Bikas and Kevin Lee was in the pits, and they, you know, they knew how to tell the story. And I, 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 for whatever reason, man, ESPN just absolutely does not give you like the information you need to know. Yeah. The very the, 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 if they're building on drama, you you'd think you'd need to know what the bubble speed is. So if you've got somebody out there trying to make laps, you'd have a clue as to how fast they have to go. And I can tell you that at the track, we knew that at all times because you can. The nice thing about the track is they have big, huge TVs everywhere, and so I was out in turn three turn around and I could watch a TV and in the top right corner the whole time was this is the speed they have to beat and then there was their speed floating in the left hand side of the screen so you always knew what was going on and even showed their position and it would change the position where they were during the laps so you knew that they were like right on the cusp of getting a little ahead or behind somebody it was brutal so this is the final year ABC is going to carry the race it's moving to NBC next year so that uh, I think the, the diehards that really understand racing are expecting to see you know, expecting to see big things from NBC next year. So, but we're going to suffer through one more ABC broadcast with, uh, with literally, it's like it, it, Dakota, the guy that does the play-by-play is fine. He's Alan Bestwick. He's a longtime racing guy. He's fine. They have two color guys that haven't raced an IndyCar in 20 or 25 years. And they Did you just say colored color. No, no. Uh, Willie colored T. Ribs isn't in the race. It's, it's, it's Scott Goodyear, the Canadian. This, this 1932. And, and Eddie Cheever, who's an American, but he grew up in Europe. Um, and they're just, I don't know. They're just, they they're have just about difficult. as much personality as those limes in the glasses do. They just don't, they don't get excited about anything. And they know what they're talking about. But you compare them to like the other broadcasts where you get like Paul Tracy and Townsend Bell who can banter back and forth and throw out some sound bites that'll get you on the news the next day sometimes um, and put their personalities in there. It's, a whole lot better. Like I said, if Hinchcliffe gets in the booth for ABC, that'll be the best thing that can happen. And then people might actually miss them next year if they get Hinch in the booth. But we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's just it, it's absolutely it, ABC has a way of taking the most exciting thing that could possibly be on television and putting you to sleep. 
Eddie Cheever and Scott Dixon should do golf coverage. It sounds like IndyCar brought to you by the Masters. That's great. E- Eddie that. Cheever has the ability to to be condescending and downplay and, and talk about how if a driver takes a risk, it was an unnecessary risk and they should never do that and they're stupid for having done made that decision. And then it, it's just unreal the way he can turn it. So anyway, that's the uh, that's that's that part of the preview. Uh, the other reason that Mike will we'll pivot for a moment. Tell a personal story. Mike is wearing all this Fuzzy's Vodka stuff because he's a proud pop. Absolutely. Your daughter is uh, is on the team with uh, with Ed Carpenter she Racing this year. She is a PR intern for Ed Carpenter Racing. Um, I will tell you, I have experienced 35 years of pull day drama, and it has never hit me like it hit me with Addie walking through the, the line with television for both Danica and Spencer and then... Ed Carpenter going out there and tuning two thirty. You know, it, it was an incredible experience. Um, I got up at the crack of dawn yesterday morning, was at the track at six thirty to shoot the seven o'clock pole picture, and never did I dream in my wildest imagination that I would have a family member out there on the track as a team member for that. It was it was an incredible experience. You know, I was brought to the track by my uncle, Jim Davidson, who was a photographer there for 54 years or something like that. Wow. So um, that's how I got the bug. And to see my kids have the bug, my son at 10 years old had his first picture published that he took of Ed Carpenter. So uh, the Carpenters have been very good to the McCowns. So your daughter attends uh uh, Butler University. Butler University same will place be a that sophomore. Ed Carpenter uh, graduated from. We had Trip the dog there for <coughs> pole day festivities. He just about ate Firehawk. <laughs> Firehawk <laughs> is the uh, little Firestone mascot. Yeah. So Dakota, to to give you a scale as as to what Ed Carpenter did uh, on race day, on, on pole day, you're trying to run four laps around the speedway, so two and a half miles. So it's a ten mile trip. And his average speed on one of the laps was over 230 miles an hour. Wow, that's nuts. The rest of the field, the best they could do was a was a was a mile an hour slower. That it was crazy, which is fractions of a second. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, two, you I that. guess 225 around there is like 40 seconds. So you're you're in the 39 dots, 39 point something. Uh, and over the entire four laps, you're still talking about a, you know a couple tenths of a second for for the front front end of the field to the back end of the field. To make four laps around there. And if you look at the top big three up until this year, you know, you had the Andretti's with all their sponsorships. You've had Penske with Verizon and all these sponsorships. You had Ganassi who had the big red dot, you know, that had Target all this time. And then you have Ed Carpenter that comes in there with preferred freezers and fuzzies vodka and just makes them look silly. Makes you think of the Rachel's awesome. potato chips car, huh? Uh, I yeah, don't know that we'll go there. <laughs> From the track, the 230, when that went up on the board, everybody was cheering because that was just – you see that in pole day. If I mean, you get a real good run, but it was hot. It had been it was slick, and you kind of wondered – and people were having a rough time with the new body kits, and when he did that. Everybody was kind of like, well, there, it's done at that point. It was That was a statement lap. If the hair doesn't stand up on your neck on something like that with all those people cheering, it, it was just incredible. When the, so how many how many people are there for pole day? I don't know. Mike and his family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say twenty thousand, maybe twenty five. I was out on the grass mounds. There are quite a few people there. It's kind of hard to 
I mean, there was a pretty good crowd. There were quite a few people in four. Um, it's not like it used to be. Um, but, you know, the, the prob- population of Newcastle for sure. It, it's the problem with Newcastle, yeah, is, or the track is that it's so big that you can have 25,000 people in it and it looks like nothing because right. there's, they're scattered out over. It's the largest stadium in the world. So yeah. if it's not half full, it looks empty. Right. It's just, it's difficult to fill. So Mike, uh, a listener, uh, Kirsten Kronk wants to know if you have ever met any big time celebrities at the race. Oh yeah. Um, I once blew off gladiator. <laughs> blew off. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I, I saw Lady Gaga last year. I photographed Aerosmith. I've photographed, oh my gosh, the old standbys. You know, you always had James Garner in the early days. And that's a big Mark Brim fan right there. Mark you know, Brim and James Mark Garner. Brim, that's right. Yeah. You know, BFFs. We, I, I actually took some pictures for Newman Haas and Paul Newman, you know. Dakota, him. do you know who Paul Newman is? Yeah, well, I know the name. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I think that if it, it was, it's one of those things where if I saw a picture of him, I think I'd know who he was. You know the Newman salad dressing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's guy. Him. That's it. Okay. That's him. Yeah, movie star. Old blue eyes. Old movie star. I ran into Letterman at the Grand Prix. I, I we saw that. I was, and, I was starstruck seeing Dave with the big beard. So David Letterman is uh, is a car owner for the uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing Team. So Graham Ray Hall, Ball State graduate, Takuma Sato, uh, defending champion Takuma Sato, and Oriol Servia, my one of my absolute favorites, are uh, are his drivers. How how thick is that man's beard? It's it's, it's thick. It's intense. It's yeah. thick, yeah. He looks like he just came out of Montana from the ranch. And it's and just it's, so white, too. Yeah, and he's a tall guy. He's taller than me. And so I was kind of shocked. I, I knew he was there. I saw him going in. Um, I, I'm getting a bronze badge. And so for, for the Grand Prix, we're allowed to do a grid walk, which is amazing. I'm walking around on pit lane with the drivers um, up till the Star Spangled Banner. I was like, oh, Dave's around. Um, I try not to be... When the people like forces my way or anything, but I saw him chatting with a guy. I was like, Dave's talking to people. So I ran up there and dished my brother and his girlfriend. <laughs> and got my picture with Dave. You know, Russell Crowe, the Kardashians. I can't tell you how many people over the years that we've got to photograph. I, I will tell you that they wanted me to photograph George W. Bush or I'm sorry. George Bush Sr. He came in two. This is how stupid I am. He came in two thousand and three. I remember that very specifically. Well, guess what? I <clears> missed <throat> him because I found Muhammad Ali. There you go. <laughs> you know, Muhammad Ali was my idol as a kid. You know, you had Evil Knievel and Muhammad Ali, which is today's Michael Jordan. You know, so. the vice president came last year, and I'm I'm afraid. <laughs> As much as people like the vice president, he's going to screw up traffic again and probably show up again he this year. Up, he popped up for practice day. Uh, Friday, right? Or, yeah. or, was he there Monday? I, he was there this week, I think. Yeah, but I, um, I wasn't there that day, but some friends were, and they said it was a bit of a nightmare. Like they had cars parked on the pit lane. They couldn't get back to their garages, and they wouldn't let anything move in or out while he was in there talking. So, Even the crews were screwed over by uh, yeah, I can't, Yeah, I can't. I, so he was on pit lane. I did see pictures where he and Doug Bowles and, and some others were walking around pit lane. I know the turn two suites turn into a nightmare when he comes through. So, hey, I, I'm usually pretty good at talking my way through yellow shirts. I'm going to take the uh, H6 with us, and I'm going to try to get an interview with Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if Excuse you take the me, H6, sir, you're going to have to get some insurance on it. <laughs> um, you will probably wear it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So... Mike's been out at the track for 30 years. Uh, I, I put in our notes that you were you sit at the pit 
entrance, right? The the attenuator for the pit entrance. I am the first photographer at pit entrance. I actually wear a fire suit. So, so I'm on my third fire suit. They shrink. <laughs> they just keep getting smaller and smaller Absolutely. on you. Absolutely. Uh, are you wearing a Simpson suit? I have been, but this year I am not. Uh-oh. Did you grow, year, outgrow the Simpsons? This year I am no longer in a Simpson, and I am in a red camel racing suit that I picked up at the uh, at the uh, racing industry show in Indianapolis this year and had it tailored so it actually fit. Yeah, a, so a, a camel. Yeah, red camel racing. How, Never heard of them. Interesting. So not not within your 30 years. No. They, they haven't been there. No. no so this, this is an antique suit? You no, sure, this is a brand sure new still company. Flame so, yeah, yeah, it's still, I hope it doesn't melt off of me. We'll, we'll, oh, so it's, it's we'll not see camel cigarettes? No. Oh, that's what I thought it was. So no. you were uh, you were involved. There's a guy named uh, Mark Dismore who owns the go kart track here in Newcastle. Absolutely. So your your career and Mark Dismore's career have crossed over a couple of times. Yep, I've uh, been hit by several people down there. Dismore was was <laughs> was the, the big one. Was the big one. Uh, Billy Boat hit that one year, and uh, that was a really good year for me because that picture was used a lot because it was the first year that the styrofoam was there, and it looked like Christmas. You know, the, the first year for the safer barrier. Yeah. So it was yeah. probably two thousand. Two two thousand three somewhere all in that range. together, man. Yeah, it was an AJ Foyt Canseco car. That's about all I can tell you. Um, Darren Manning, Gray Gray, and Hornish came in there on me once, and I didn't see the third car, and actually got a piece of brake rotor in the kidneys, and that sort of hurt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that one, that one hurt a lot. I still was that a race day a, crash? Yeah, I still have that piece somewhere. Not in you. No, no, no. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. No, it, it, uh, it smoked me pretty good. Um, you- I actually had Jack's camera and the Canon engineers make me, it looks like a foot pedal for a Gibson guitar that I have a camera bolted to the wall now so that I can hit that when it gets too close in my big camera. So you can drop down and still I get the shot. And still get the Were shot. you standing there for the first in, uh, Indy Grand Prix start? Savager, when Savager boxed You're probably it. on the wrong side. Of it. Yeah, I'm on the wrong, wrong side of that. that. I'm not going to let him hit me in the back. So. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the mayor got yeah. mayor of Indianapolis got some cuts from that one. Yeah, so. no. I was sitting on top of the, uh, the the gasoline alley suites for that and watched that happen. Uh, it was the very first. It, in, it was 2012, I guess, or 2012, yeah, was, 2013. It was 2013. That was the first Grand Prix of Indianapolis, and IndyCar had. Took them a year to finally do their first standing start. This new car was going to be able to do standing starts. It they, didn't work. They did one. I think everybody, but yep. two cars started, and unfortunately, one of those was the pole sitter. Who wasn't normally a, a front runner. He was a surprise pole sitter. He was a surprise pole sitter. Uh, Sebastian Saavedra. And really, his career's never rebounded. <coughs> you know, he did, great he, guy. He got into the 500 once from a hospital bed. Yeah. His rookie year, yeah, yeah, uh, that was 2010. He uh, he uh, he was with a brand new Brian Hurd Autosport team, and uh, he, he made the race. That was uh yeah, the 2010, 2010, and 2011 bump days were unreal. I think two drivers withdrew their times from the race in 2010, and uh, Sebastian Saavedra fell back into the race, and nobody else could run faster. Um, so. Uh, have you always had that spot, or did you like? Uh, did you just show there up there was, and they let you just start staying? There was a period staying? of time where it was called the slot, which was sort of in front of me, and that's where my uncle Jim was for Dennis Firestone's crash and 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 a lot of big fireballs over your head type crashes. Um, I spent my 
in 88 and 89, I was in turn four. Uh, 90, I got the Poncho Carter crash in the Hardy special, and that was in the slot between three and four. Um, and then shortly thereafter, I bought a red fire suit, moved down into the pits, and I've been there ever since. Wow. That's that's really interesting. I know before we did this episode, Zach told me that uh, he was like, you have some really good stories from the race, and how you got there is really cool. And after talking to you, I think you were right, Zach. But uh, Zach, is your is your mom Jane? Yes, Jane okay. is my mother. So she commented in the live stream and said that she attended her first 500 in 1959. She missed a few in there. That's the interesting thing about the 500 is going in um, Donald Davidson. The track has a historian. It's got a, a really fascinating story where he just got obsessed with the race. He's a genius. And he's and. Um, I've taken this class. He taught a class at IUPUI, which was actually at Speedway High School through IUPUI. Um, but it's interesting when you go to, like I talk about, I try to go to events. You go to something for the track, and it's amazing how long people have been there. Um, I talked to Doug Bowles um, at the Grand Prix, and I said, do you know what the longest tenure somebody has tickets for? He's like, no, but there's quite a few that go back to World War II. And wow. I have one guy who I think this will be his 92nd. 500 that he's going to be going to this year so is 92nd 92nd yeah to really even uh to start to really impress anybody on how many times you need to have gone it needs to be like probably 50 or 60 that's because you have to be over 50 i've been well we'll get in we'll get into a minute that's that's towards the end here as to how many times people have been we'll get into that um all right so let's let's start to talk about some of the other stuff that goes into the month of may because we've we've touched on a little bit of it i've made a list here and you guys tell me if there's anything I'm I'm leaving out here, uh, but it's a whole month and the festival's the whole month and the the all of the things that build to the build to the race. Zach uh, did the mini marathon. Yep. Well, there's just uh, I like the end part. We it's have <laughs> yes. Life so change Zach, forever. Zach did the mini marathon, and then they have princesses. So every driver in the race basically it's a princess. There's 33 princesses, and we have one from Henry County this year. We do try yeah. high, try high. It's Katie Poff. Katie Poff. 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 One of my Henry County 4-H alumni. alumni alumni and friend, personal friend of Dakota Davis. So yeah, Katie is uh, Katie is a um, Katie's a princess. So we're very proud of that. It's exciting. Also a butler, and and she's attending Butler University. Indeed, uh, you have a parade on national TV. So the Rose Bowl. You know, are you familiar with the Rose Bowl, Dakota? Yeah, I'm familiar with the, Rose, the Rose Bowl parade. Yeah, the bowling alley here in Newcastle. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah it used to be owned by the, uh, the by the Rutherford family. Uh, no, the Rose Bowl uh, in Pasadena, California. They have the Rose Parade on New Year's oh, Day. Yeah, yeah, I know what it is. I was just yeah. joking, right? It was of course a joke. you were. That's why I laughed. Yeah, it was a, I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a the Indy 500 has a parade on Saturday. This Saturday coming up, they've got a parade where all the drivers get in it and they wave and whatever celebrities that they've brought in, if they bring in Guy Fieri or whoever whoever the celebrities are for the oh, Victor Oladipo, the pace car driver. Um, they will all be in a parade on Saturday, and that's on national TV. So it's on WTHR, and then it's also on NBCSN. So they're going to have a big parade on Saturday. Uh, on race day, you've got all these things, this pageantry that happens. You have uh, back home again in Indiana, our special. Uh, we were testing the uh, testing the camera the other uh, when we've got the audio, the the new soundboard for the first time. We played Jim Cornelius and singing mm-hmm. "Back Home Again in Indiana." That's happened since. I don't even know when. I know Jim Neighbors sing it from the 1972 to yeah. almost the current year, but um, that song has been 
an institution at the Speedway forever. So that's a big deal before the race. So you'll hear that. I won't be here to guide you through it, so we're doing it now because I'll be in my seats and you're going to be in the infield. <laughs> uh, and then it's it's Memorial Day weekend, so you hear taps, uh, which is the uh, you know it's Memorial Day, so yeah. you're going to hear you're going to hear taps played. <laughs> yeah, and the the place will be you have three hundred thousand people that go completely silent. That's awesome. That's um, really cool. At the end of back home again in Indiana, you're going to there's going to be about a quarter million balloons released. I don't know how many it is. It's going to be the most balloons you've ever seen in your life, in, in your mind. A lot of balloons. Uh, is that is that good? <coughs> it depends on which group you talk to. That sounds. <laughs> if you're if you're a fan of five hundred, it's a beautiful sight. Yes, they're bi- it's dangerous. They're biodegradable. Every one of them has a little note in it. From I'm not even from talking a, about that. I'm child. talking about power lines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they all go somewhere. They're Ohio's problem. You might block out the light for the solar farm next to the track, though. Yeah. <laughs> That'd uh, be a big issue for a new county. Last year, the uh, there's a flyover. It was a big bomber last year. This giant ass bomber. It's something different all the it, time. It's always different. So last year it was a, a bomber out of Missouri, and the flight crew came to our tailgate in the infield after the race. Oh, that's awesome! They showed up and they drank beers with us. So we we hung out with them for probably an hour or so until the big rainstorm came last year and destroyed the entire infield. Uh, we had the flyover guys, uh, and then when you get to, when you get the actual car started. Don't uh, forget Kelly Clarkson. Oh, that's right. The national anthem this year is going to be Kelly Clarkson. Have you heard of Kelly Clarkson? Yeah, I have. She's a thing. And then the guy from uh, from the, the Ron Howard racing movie, he's going to wave the green flag. That has to be the scariest thing to do, to stand over the top of 33 cars. In front of 350,000 people and not drop the flag. And going underneath you. It's Thor. Yeah. Do you know who the guy played Thor? Yeah. That yeah. dude? Yep. He's going he's gonna to wave the green flag. I had to ask my kids. I didn't know who that was. Go watch Rush. He's it's, great it's, in Rush. He plays, so, yeah, plays Hunt. Rush. Yeah. He's fantastic in that. Yeah. Did you watch Rush? Yeah, I've seen Rush. The, the, with the cars? Uh, You're not talking Getty Lee. Rush. Yeah, this Rush might is, be a different. This yeah. is a play that I'm thinking of. No. No, this is. Oh, okay. uh, this was uh, Nikki Lauda and. James Hunt. James Hunt. Yeah. yeah. 1970s. It's uh, a Ron Howard mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Ron Howard, the guy that made, uh, well, Arrested Development and. Yep. And. Apollo 13. So well worth watching. So once they fire the engines, which if you've, I've been on the grid one time or been at the grid and watched the cars come off the line. It's unbelievable. Just when they fire the engine, those cars go from nothing and they all pull out. That is exhilarating. You ought to be 15 feet away. I know I'm saying I I sat on my first race, 2003, I was in the uh, pit lane stands. So I was right behind the Andretti pits. I was right behind Dan Weldon's pit in 2003. So I watched the cars fire and I sat in the front. Can Jeremiah take the Mevo? And you get him impressed past. <laughs> I think that's all the video rights are ABCs. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I only have we, still right. We can only work in stills. Uh, that's okay. We'll just we'll put that on shutter. Uh, I, I, honestly, I don't want to have to work. I don't want this thing to be my job. I want to just go hang out uh, and enjoy the race. Uh, so the cars. The boss hog doesn't stop, Jer. I know. <laughs> always searching content. <laughs> So they fire the cars and they do a parade lap, and then you see all the cars at about a hundred miles an hour, and they and they form up into these perfect rows of three. What's but that? But in like? that hundred mile an hour, you see four thousand hot dog wrappers and everything blowing around that looks like a <laughs> a, a small tornado as they come through. It, it's pretty incredible. So yeah. this is the only part of the race where I need you to actually like leave our campsite and go stand on the mountains and just watch. Watch. I want you to watch from. When before they do the balloon release, so like from taps until lap five, and then you can go back. But All this right. is the part you need to. You I'm need just. To pay I plan to. on following Nick Deutsch. Do whatever Nick does. Yeah, 
Yeah. Plan on following him around. About lap 30, you can bring me some water or Gatorade. That'd be really <laughs> nice. Right. I'll go find you. Yeah. Good luck. He'll be a mile it's away. Pretty, <laughs> my seats are between three and four or top row. It's pretty interesting to see him come down out of the back straightaway, go around the turns, and then when they finally start, it's like watching somebody take uh, a video and going from play to fast forward to see even just a bit I see of him accelerating the acceleration off of turn four. And it should be better this year because the body kits now, they're faster accelerating than they were. So and not that rear wing to get in the way. It looks like a skateboard. There's nothing See, rear, rear, what I'm, rear what, wing. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing uh, them pass each other. I just think that that's going to be an incredible feat. That's it good, happens fast. That's going to be yeah. an interesting thing to see this year because that's the thing with the arrow kits is that if they're in a group of two or three, evidently passing is pretty easy. I saw that yesterday. I went to the practice yesterday, but if there's a large group of them, evidently if you're in the back, it is not a not a good place to do. Yeah, you Ed are... Carpenter's qualification will be a great thing for him to not be in the back. Um, cause... So I know a little bit about the way that the aerodynamics of NASCAR works. And Nothing it, like that. So it's it's not like that at all. You what? don't want to ride kind of like in the middle there for a little while. You want to be second or third in line. You can make a pass. If you're second or third, you can probably make a pass as long as your tires aren't absolute trash. The problem with these cars is that they the front <coughs> wing, they're using a bit more aero grip than than the NASCAR would. NASCAR is usually like mechanical grip, so just like what's on the car. Right. So evidently, when it gets back farther back, it takes all the air off the front wing, and they just don't have any ability to turn. Huh. So it makes it real hard. You to don't end. have the side draft like you do in NASCAR. Okay. The side draft is turbulence. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue to stay in a long line, which is what they typically do, or if they're going to break up, like naturally try to break up into smaller groups so that they can kind of manipulate the field with themselves. But. That would be the thing. that Everybody's kind of curious as to how that is. But I know yesterday in groups of two or three, they were passing a lot. But if it's in 33 of them at the same time, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And I, yeah. and I think there will be rabbits. There will be a group of two or three cars that get ahead and then another group of two or three and another group of two or three. I don't think you'll have groups of 12 or 15. I think that spells trouble. Right, um, right. I, I don't think they have like the disaster. stability. Um, but if if you really look at the guys that are comfortable in the car, they're comfortable. They're comfortable regardless of where they're at. And some of them are on the ragged edge. I mean, I I don't whether you love Connor Daly or hate Connor Daly. Connor Daly was on the edge to even get that car in the show. I mean, he was all over the place. That wheel was turning, you know. And and you look at a guy like TK in what has always been subpar equipment with AJ Foyt that now has eight or nine team crew engineer people straight from the number three or four Dick or uh, Ganassi, Ganassi car. cars, you know, they're now competitive and he looks absolutely comfortable. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of different guys that uh, do not have the formula for comfort that are going to be in this race. The uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it develops. So we'll run the race, and then once it's over, there's a couple other big traditions that happen. And do you get to go to Victory Lane, Mike? Um, it all depends who it is, whether or not if, I go if it's or a not. Fuzzy's car, you're going. If it's the Fuzzy's car, I will be there. <laughs> um, if it's Marco, I'll be there. Um, if it's uh, a Pinsky, I probably won't walk down there. Um, you know, my father, he's done it 17 times before, you, you know, it, it's, uh, I was there when Dario won. Um, I, I was there when Weldon 
one on the J.R. Hildebrand crash. Um, you know, I, I've gone down there. Um, it's I don't reserve a spot or I don't AP has like 20 people down there. I don't go compete with them. The shot I try to get is when they come into the pits right there in front of me pumping a fist. Yep. I mean, I have had that last year. I had Sato last year. I had Montoya. Um, that that's the shot that has been my money shot the last few years that I really work hard to get. So once they, uh, once, once you have a winner, they will come to victory lane and you'll have these bagpipes playing. The, the Gordon Pipers will be playing. The car will come into victory lane and the, uh, the driver will take off their helmet. And then the car owner and the driver will be there and ABC will have a microphone on their face. And some guy from Borg Warner will put a wreath over, uh, put a wreath over them. And uh, they're going to be given a, some milk by the dairy farmers and they drink milk, milk. Yuck. Uh, Gross. You, you choose skim milk, 2% <laughs> or, uh, or uh, buttermilk. Ooh. And it's the they it's the tradition. Chocolate so milk? The, I chocolate don't know if they chocolate milk. used to be an option, <coughs> and some of the drivers have chosen it, but no driver has ever won having chosen that. And I don't think I've heard. I think I've heard it's not an option anymore. Somebody's seen the list. Like they ask. Yeah, before, it needs to be white. They, they have a yeah. They have a list of. Uh, they ask every driver at some point. I'm assuming after they qualify. Which Obviously, they wear more than they drink. So, so that's the thing. Is in the in the last few years, I don't know if Weldon started or Elio did. They drink the milk. And then they just go ahead and dump the rest of the bottle on their head, Dakota. <laughs> so you get this well, shot of milk coming off of the driver's I'm head. I'm out. I'll never be an Indy, Indy car racer. There's then, low risk. And imagine anyway. you're still in that fire suit because you get to do a bunch of press. Yeah, you're going to spend the next four hours doing interviews. With sour milk on you. That's disgusting. So I, I will tell you that that fire suit is the most disgusting thing that I've ever had on my body after a long, hard race. <laughs> the... Uh, the next thing that will happen is the uh, the trophy will come uh, come out, and the, uh, the this trophy is worth millions of dollars. 3.4, they said this weekend. It's now over six feet tall. Every year they take the driver's face, and it's a <coughs> sterling silver cutout of your face that goes on the trophy, and it's on it for the rest of time. So well, why with is your it, speed. Why is it so expensive? Is it solid gold? It's silver, but it's, it's, it's silver, one of a kind. But, oh, it's silver. Really it's silver. the effort that is put in by the artists that make the faces. It's the Stanley Cup or the um, Daytona Five. Not the Daytona Five. That's nowhere close. The the Vince Lombardi Trophy. It is. It's among the biggest trophies in the world. And there's only one. You get a baby Borg. It's a Borg Warner Trophy. You get a baby Borg to take home with you. It's a little tiny miniature replica. Of it, but your that, face goes on the permanent one. They started that fairly fairly recently because I know some of the drivers that won back in the day really want baby Borgs that don't have them. I think they got Pernelli Jones one and some of the other big They ones. made some for AJ after the fact, I think. AJ gets what AJ wants. Yep, absolutely. There's uh, people in the chat saying somebody didn't drink the milk. That was Emerson Fittipaldi. Fittipaldi. Uh, he was 1993. He's an Orange Grove owner, so he drank orange juice. There we go. Hey, I'd, I could be an IndyCar driver now. Uh, I think he drank, drank the milk, too. Think, There's I'd, no fuzzies vodka <laughs> in the orange juice. I would say, okay, never mind. listen, you can have a white Russian. <laughs> that, was, that was a faux pas that caught him up a little bit after that. People weren't real happy about it. So then the really? other big thing that's happened is, and this came from Dale Jarrett and the NASCAR guys. After you're done with everything in Victory Lane, you go out to the bricks and you kiss the bricks. 
NASCAR tradition that blew up? When I'm walking through pit lane and I'm on a mission because I need to be somewhere or photograph something and there are 20,000 fans on their hands and knees kissing the bricks, it gets pretty annoying quickly. You don't stop yeah. and kiss the bricks every time you cross them? No, nah, I can't say that I've ever done that. So <laughs> growing up in, as, a, as a child at, in South Henry School Corporation, uh, every year they do a thing for the fifth and sixth graders called the Titan 500. Absolutely. Yeah. So they, what it is, Jeremiah, do you know about the Titan 500? Uh, yeah. Katie Poff was out there last yeah. week. You guys had the, the so you, yeah, she she was at it. Yeah. So it's a bit. Our you, Henry County Princess. You have teams, you pick teams, and then you uh, deck out a big wheel. And the big thing is, like the biggest trick is, is to put duct tape on the tires. And that really helps you get some traction on the asphalt. And you can get going in them. So you guys are race engineers. Yep, and that's uh, that's how we did it. But it cannot. It has to have plastic wheels. You can't put rubber wheels on it. That's the. That's like the one stipulation. Kind of jealous because I've heard about that because I've run with a guy who also is at the track quite a bit, Casey Carmichael, who's on the school board at Tri, and his son's always doing that. One day that we're over at the track, yeah. and then a lot of days you're at the track, like oddball practice days, and there's field trips. All these schools take field trips to the track. I was like, I never went to a school that got to do it. I went. That was that track. was my first trip to the track. Was 1995, uh, the year that the year I think I went between the first and the second qualifying weekend, uh, and Blue River Valley went out there. So fifth or sixth grade, probably sixth grade, and I took a trip out there, and that was the that's kind of what hooked me. I was a racing fan, so I was probably 12 years old and got to go for the first time, and then didn't get to go back until I was. Hell, until 2003, probably as an adult. The tracks is a lot different. It's very, it was now. very different then. Yeah, it's like a bad place. It changes daily. After after 2000, they had the Formula One track was added, and the the master control tower turned into the pagoda again. Um, and then since then, you've had the F1 garages added, and that's the, probably the biggest change in my memory at the speedway since that time. Yeah, I remember the old pagoda. Not the original Pagoda, but the old one, you know, it's uh, it's always changed. I mean, Gasoline Alley changes just about every year. It's uh, the media center is incredible now compared to what we used to do. You know, I used to have a guy that would come around on a moped and pick up rolls of film and take them back and soup them. And three hours after the race, I'd find out whether an image was used or find not. Find out if something's useful or not. You know, Some... now my my 15-year-old kid can run down there and hand it to him, and it's already on on USA Today or on the Los Angeles Times before the race is over. You know, you're 100 laps in, and if there's a crash in the first 30 laps, it's already on it's online. on every website. Yeah, it's it's technology has changed. So are you pulling for a Graham Ray Hall to hit the wall at a turn four like he did back Graham in the day? Graham Ray Hall has hit the wall just about every year he's been there right in front of me. <laughs> I was going to say. That, Between Jimmy Kite, Graham, Ran, Graham Ray Hall, and Billy Boat, Old that, McCown's made a lot of money over the years. That spot right there, 2009, 2010, I mean, 2008, uh, 8, 9, I think Graham hit the wall his first couple of years right there. Scott at, Sharp. Four. Scott Sharp always hit it there, too. Except for the year he crashed in turn one at the yeah, point of the pool. That, that was ugly. That's right about where my field of view ends for my seat. So I usually see the donut on the wall and then just like, well, something just happened. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, the wall's not white anymore. Hope so. McCown's still breathing. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Let's let's how, let's talk about your first time. You don't remember your first time you went to the track? Because no, this is Dakota's first one, so I want to try to paint the picture. I bet I was 10 or, 11, 10 or 11, and a tradition then was we would get up, leave at like 5 o'clock in the morning, and we would go in, and we came in off 38th Street. I'm a north sider, north 40 um, side of the track. I don't spend much time on the south side. And we would get off on 38th Street and dive down Falcon Drive, uh, get us between 34th and 30th, then we'd sit on Falcon Drive and 
they set a mortar off when the gates opened. So that's when you know it's time to jump out on 30th Street and get in line. And we would sit in the North 40, and there would be 25 of us. We'd do a draw, cut up the paper, pay a buck in, do a little pool, and then uh, we'd fix Spanish eggs, which is eggs with salsa in them, and then regular eggs for people like me. And then fix some little smokies. <laughs> Salsa's just too has, much. Yeah, I'm just not that big on that. And then, uh, but then, you know, people, yeah. everybody had their little thing that they brought. So somebody would bring the eggs, somebody would bring a smoky, somebody would bring chocolate milk, milk, orange juice, mm, all I love stuff. little smokies. And then just, mm-hmm. yeah, and just chill out in the North 40 until it was time to head up to the stands. And so that's what we did for years. And then a friend got into, got us into camping. You know, I remember thinking, who does he know that we got this deal? We were camped right outside the track. And then, uh, I've got, I got into that when I got a camper, and so I've been camping at the race for about uh, 12 years, probably 10 or 12 years. So and you camped in the infield for the GP. I, I got real lucky. Um, <clears throat> people know enough about my fandom of the track that um, when that popped up on Instagram last year, I think they had Graham Ray Hall with a camper with Doug Bowles in the infield saying, hey, we're going to do camping for the Grand Prix. It's a road course thing. And I was like, I'm in. And so I hit up a bunch of people, and my brother bit too, and so we got in there, and it was – that was pretty amazing. We're camped right on the Holman Strait. Um, cars driving by for breakfast and wake up, and there's cars driving by, and we got a private tour um, up into the Pagoda and spent some time on the Yard of Bricks that night. And then had some drivers come by. So Johnny Rutherford, Tony Cannon, Connor Daly came by near the campsite. And then that. They hung out in the campsite with you. They, hang out, they came into our little area. There's like four different camping areas. They came to ours. Um, the coolest thing that year was, it was last year. I think we were on the news like seven times and because we had Dave Calabro camped around the corner. Doug Bowles was camped right there. And so the news would just come by constantly and was like every morning we'd have an interview, every evening another interview. And then some of, the, some of them were using B-roll of our campsite. But, yeah, that was – Somebody go talk to Chuck Loft and he's out there again lonely. But, but yeah, it was a little quieter in the infield this year. But uh, as far as the media, they didn't care. It was the second year we were there. But it – you go in the track, and I almost never leave the entire weekend. It's fantastic. In the early 90s, I would go in at midnight. Uncle Jim and I would go in at midnight, and then we would walk out on the inside of the fence and watch all the drunks on Georgetown Road. That was the first education I had of what the Indianapolis Motor Speedway was all about. And then you'd try to sleep two or three hours and get up and go to work, you know. Um, so there are there's, there's two things that happen. There's People like Zach and I go for a race. Yep. And we watch we watch the racing, but not we if also, you're in turn three. You're not uh, well, going for I the race. yeah, I embrace it. I I also like to have the have some fun in the infield, but then I do have seats. I go up and I go to my seats uh, and I'll watch it. But turn three infield is is a different experience. Um, Dakota, don't dress too fancy. Is it the snake pit on like just a mile down? So the snake pit thing is a uh, that's an interesting question. That, that's complicated. Like everything else, it's complicated. Turn and one ever changing. Turn one used to be where the snake pit was. The snake pit now is kind of like the Broad Street Cruise in Newcastle. Like it used to be this kind of thing that was its own thing, and then it went away because bad things happened there. Yeah, and then now they brought it back as a, another ticket to sell and as a, a concert. ticketed event. Yeah, and so it's it's a it's. The snake pit now is not what the snake pit was. It's more techno and stuff now. You are going to what in the old days would have been the snake pit, turn three, infield, the infield party. That's where we're going to be. All right. We're going to be at the infield party. But now there's a thing that they call the snake pit where you have an armband and you're already too old for it, Dakota. You needed to be like 18 to 21 to care. Um, You're too, you're far too old. 
and mature. Uh, but they will have twenty five or thirty thousand people shoved into a tiny little con. It, it is it's tiny. It is tiny, and it's going to be. I saw him you would have ten week. people in the space of the four of us. At Mm-mm. this, it is unbelievable. Mm-mm. Um, and it's this huge party. They'll have water guns spraying, and it's 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 going to be an EDM event. Yeah, that's not that's not what I'm about. So that you'll see them, and they will be very close to us. But we're going to be more of the. We are more like a college football we scoff at them. tailgating degenerates. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you will be covered in dirt when when our time is over. You will be completely covered in dirt. I'm not big on that. I'm not big on dirt. <clears throat> it's uh, yeah. It, it, you'll be you'll be Good look on that. You'll be the most grimy you've ever been in your life. So I, brace I for that. Doubt that. Hope and we, you're not wearing a fire suit. Hope yeah. we hope we get some rain on Saturday to knock the dust down. <laughs> uh, but not too much rain, or not it's going to be pure mud. No, not like the last couple of years. No, we don't need that much rain. Uh, so yeah, when you go, what are you going to wear? Have you put any thought into what you're wearing? I haven't put any thought at all into it. No, I'm probably going to wear like I have these these type of they're like swim trunks, but they're like hy- they're called hybrid shorts. So they're for swimming, but they also have like pockets and belt loops and things. So I figured I'd wear those because they are the most they are the most cooling uh, clothes that I have. It, it may rain on us. It's going to be eighty five. Zach, 80 are you going to wear your hybrid shorts? No, <laughs> dude. The, the dress code in the in turn three and for the most of the party people think Pat McAfee. Yeah, it's patriotic sleeves, preferably not. And then more Joe Dirt. Yeah, if you cut if you cut some jeans off in the shorts, even better. I have a tank top that's a little bit too small for me now. That's what you wear. Perfect. That's it. Matter of fact, I saw Pat yesterday. I would wear a schmedium. I saw Pat at at the track yesterday, and Pat was in a tank top with a denim vest and like chucks and some weird glasses. So he looked classic. He was on pit lane like that. So sleeveless on pit lane. Nice. Mike, what was your first year? Do you remember? 82 was the first year well, you went? Well, I'm sure I went as a Parker student in second grade, which was a long, long, long time ago. Um, but 82 was the first year I really remember, and I was a sophomore or junior in high school, and I, I spoke about that earlier. But I walked back in the garage area and was taking pictures of this guy with really long hair. And Donald Davidson was standing behind me, and he goes, do you know who that is in his British accent? And it was Desiree Wilson, which was the second woman to ever try to qualify for the Indianapolis 500. And and that's my first real recollection of I have arrived, and I want to photograph this forever. So but you thought Desiree was, was a dude? I thought Desiree was a dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's amazing about race She's fans. a European dude. What's amazing about race fans is that uh, some of those people you don't know who they are necessarily. So it's interesting to see who people don't know who they are. And sometimes you'll get some celebrities like pop culture celebrities that pop <laughs> into the track and race fans don't know or care who they are. I saw a yellow I... shirt yelling at Ashley Judd once yeah. to get out of the way at Gasoline Alley. And she was married to Dario Franchitti at the time. And someone's like, that's Ashley Judd. And he's like, oh, sorry. And I don't care like, who she is. She's got to move. I can top that. I get very perturbed. When fans are down around me, um, you know, because now anybody can buy a badge and get there if they spend enough money. But I'm down there by myself and cars are coming through and it's it's pretty serious. I mean, you know, your car going 240 in the straightaway past me and this guy 
taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, man, that's a really cool lens. Can I look through it? And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about, dude? And I let him look through it. And all I know is that he has a very well-endowed woman standing (laughs) beside him. And it was iced tea and cocoa. And I thought iced tea was a cool, refreshing drink. I didn't know who iced tea was at all. But, you know, you know, you have those celebrities down there. I've had Mellencamp down there with me. I, you know, they seem to go to that north end where I'm at. Um, I had Jessica Simpson one time ask me which car I drove because I was <laughs> in my fire suit. You know, she really didn't understand much about the Indianapolis 500. But Ru- Russell Crowe was probably my best one. There's a lot of corporate people there. It's kind of interesting on carb day. It'll be real fun. It's real fun to walk around the garage area and listen to people talk and see. that have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Papa Roach, the band Papa Roach. We ran across them one time. I had no idea who they were, but they were playing. It was like, it was one of the days they had a concert. It was probably a poll day or something. And they were going to finish up with a concert. And we had. You didn't know who Papa Roach was? No, I didn't know. But we were in the same suites. Like I would be, uh, for the longest time, we had a connection where Ken Amenel was a sponsor of the Ganassi team. So they would usually have one of the two poll day or, or bump day. We would be in the Ganassi suite for the day. So I would have access to pit road that day and garage pass and would be in there. So you would have people in the gasoline alley suites all the time. So it was no big deal to see the Ganassi drivers or the family members or team members or uh, the next suite over all the time had Ari Leindyke in it. He was there constantly. But, yeah, Papa Roach was there one time, and I had no idea who they were, but they were hanging out with us. I I uh, saw a group of people a few years ago, and you, you can usually tell when a celebrity's on the tarmac before the start of the race when I'm out there photographing because uh, this large congregation gets around them, and you're like, who the hell is that, you know? I had Dave Hester from Storage Wars, the Yup guy. And I'm like, man, yep. did they really pay this guy to come here? Yup, you know. I had to photograph Dave Hester. It's probably the one of four photographs he ever had taken. Dave that was Hester it. from Storage I, Wars. Storage Wars is one of those shows where it's addicting. I, I watch it, and I as I'm watching the first episode that I'm watching, I'm like, this show is so <laughs> stupid. It's all planned out. I hate this. And then it's like the first episode ends. I'm like, I'm going to watch another. I hate this show. (laughs) Sort sort of like a plane crash. You've got to watch it through to the end. Yep. Yep. So the first year I went was 03. And that was, that that was a very cool race because I sat right down on pit lane. Uh, My dad won tickets for some, from some internet deal from Bryant heating and cooling. So Tony Kanon's group had accidentally set us up. So we sat behind the, the Ganassi guys. It was your uh, Dan Weldon. He was a rookie. It was his second year, and he wound up on his lid. He crashed, and he wound up on his on the roof, and it was a one-two finish for Penske. Uh, Gilles DeFerrin beat Elio by nothing. Uh, so that was cool. And then I didn't come back until 06, and I sat in turn two, and Marco had a huge lead, and we didn't have a good monitor. And Sam Hornish, and Sam Hornish passed him, him at the end. In, on the, it was the first time that they had ever had a last lap pass in the 500, and it came off of turn four. Sam Hornish Jr. passes Marco Andretti, and he gets by him in, in a quarter of the straightaway. It was just like, I have to tell you, I unreal. cried a little. Unreal. Uh, and then uh, I missed 07 because it was going to rain. I said, the hell with it. I'm not doing that. And Dario, Dario won in the rain, and then I've been every race since then. 08 to now, I've not, I've not missed. Zach, we're here with novices. I, I know. It's going to rain. We're I not think, going. Well, I think, did Dario, well, that was early. I'd go now. I think Dario won a couple. Dario, Dario won, never Dario never won a 500 under green. That's right. Yeah, Dario won uh he won in 20 
I remember Victory Circle was in the rain one time with Dario and Buddy Rice one time was 2004 there were tornadoes with Buddy yeah yeah I missed that race as well I remember I went the year it went to Tuesday too I remember that I didn't go to school one day so, um, but I, I've, I've seen just incredible finishes. Like it, I've gone years that have gotten me hooked, right? Like it was 20, 2010 with Mark, well, Mike Conway obviously wasn't in, in the early IRL years that got you hooked with Jarrett Schrader and no, no, and, it was, it was right after they got re, you know, when the series came back together in 08 was kind of when I was a permanent fixture and attending and going, it was, it's been a healthy series and it's gotten better, but then, you know, 2011, the finish where Dan Weldon wins, you know, that was, that was crazy. Um, Ryan Hunter Ray in the 2012 race, I think it was, it was or 2013. Well, we had all of those passes in 2012 and 2013. 2013 yeah. Um, and then 2015, the first year where we had the arrow kits, the Ganassi, it, that was the the one year where it was kind of a a crap race, but it was Penske and Ganassi. Back but you and know, it, Montoya it's, it's part of the Indianapolis 500 fiber. I mean. I watched Michael Andretti lead more laps than anybody in the history of the Speedway and never win the race. You know, you had Zanardi and Vassar back in the day for Target Chip Ganassi that won, that just that should led. have been there and they never can. And never can. Yeah. You know, you, you have all of these guys. The only guy that really came through was Rick Mears. You know, you thought he was going to win and he won. You know, when we go to predictions today, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty simple thing to say one of the four Penske's. Penske's can win this race. All right. So let's do it this way. We're going to go. I'm going to have you give us. We're going to go around and give predictions, and I'm going to have you give us who you think, and then give me a dark horse, which means you can't pick up. You can't pick a Penske. So give me who, who's your who's your 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 one, and then your your A and your B. Addy McCown. I'm going to say Ed Carpenter. <laughs> now uh, I. I really, really pay attention to how the cars come through the corner and see who's comfortable. There are four guys that are comfortable to me. Will Power, Ed Carpenter, Tony Kanaan, and Marco Andretti. Those are the four most comfortable drivers. My dark horse is Spencer Piggott because he has just been on the gas and done very, very well. He has good equipment. He has good team. Um, that's my dark horse. So who's your who's your one A? Pick give me one. I'm gonna go with Kanan. All right, TK. All right. Writing them down. We're recording this, so we're gonna know. Zach, who's your one A? This is like a this is like a fantasy draft where you got the you know, you could spend twenty five dollars on a driver and five dollars on a driver. So give me your, your stud oh, and that's your, kinda hard to yeah. um you kinda have to wonder at some point. Will Power's going to kind of put it together. Will Power is the hands-on favorite. Because he's he's a, was a road course guy. He's picked up ovals very well. He really wants to win Indy. Um, all the Penske guys really do, though. So I tried to um, – I do like Tony Kanaan for it because – Man, that's a big – That's a, if, if Tony wins in a Foyt car, giving him his sixth win. In a Foyt car, but he – I mean, it, one of the interesting things about him when he moved there, though, he took his engineering staff with him. I think is it um, – Cowden, yeah, you know his his spotters are Ganassi guys. You know, I, I saw Joe Schneider last night, who has been on Max Chilton's car for for um, Ganassi, and now he's wearing ABC clothes. There, there are a lot of Larry Foyt has taken what Target dismantled and put a lot of those people in that position. They are no longer a second tier team. 
I would say TK be pick one, pick two. I bet, right. I bet Dark Horse, and I don't know if this is a Dark Horse way he's doing this year, Wickens. Robert Wickens. Because, so he's, because he, he, he screwed up on Monday. He's yeah. Got, he's going to be in a car that he's going to have an hour on the track but with. There's all, but there's the thing going where there's there's two drivers, two types of drivers at Indy, those who have hit the wall and those who haven't hit the wall. And kind of infamously with um, Kurt Busch a few years ago, he hit the wall and then he drove – a heck of a Flawless. race because he he learned where that limit was. And I think Wickens said he's like that was a limit. He said he hadn't seen the car yet, he hadn't oversteered on him yet. So, and Wickens is a rookie, but he's been he's fired from masterful. Yeah. And now he's got Hinch's engineering crew are going to be helping him out. And he's got, got every bit of and SPM they've got, on and his they've side, got, right? And they got a chip on their shoulder. And one of them is Lena Gade, who is a engineer in WEC for <laughs> for Formula One and World for the yeah, LMP One program. Yeah. And so. It's, those are good picks. Wickens has been a podium guy a few times this year. He, he should have won. He could have won twice. He should have won the first race right. of the year. He got, he got he got Rossied. <laughs> all right. So I've got uh, – I've said the beginning of the month, and I think I think we're all going to have Chevys. I, I don't know what Dakota's going to come up with. If he's going to have names here in a minute. But uh, I'm going to go Joseph Newgarden. Newcastle's, Newcastle trained him, but series champion, Penske car. He's been solid all month. He was – darn good when he was driving for ed and had some very very good races i think this is the year new garden gets his win so i'm gonna i'm gonna say if i'm picking a 1a uh and you know he's pinsky's lead horse right he, now he's too the guy, in a lot yeah. of ways. he's the confidence guy for them this year yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go new garden i wouldn't be shocked to see any penske win pagino is probably the least likely of the penskys for me but any of the penskys could win the race uh and then my dark horse i i watched him work in practice monday um and i it may be a little bit of an emotional favorite, but I, I like J.R. Hildebrand and the Dreyer Reinbold car. I, I love, I've had, I've talked, I've just, I chatted with him. I go to Mid Ohio, and Mid Ohio is an interesting, and I've talked to him for a few minutes. And he's a great guy to talk to, and um, he's obviously got some knowledge from Ed Carpenter Racing. And I mean, he's been a top ten guy. He finished second as a rookie. Obviously, that you know whatever happened, he could have, he could have won if. That was if he had turned left. Well, that, yeah. well, that was uh, it's all Charlie Kimball's that, fault. Well, that was a lot. In and I interestingly, I heard an interview with him where he they said, "Have you ever talked to Charlie about that?" And if people don't know, he was leading as a rookie, and then Charlie Kimball was in the inside, and he didn't get enough information. He thought that Charlie Kimball would run out of gas, but it turned out Charlie Kimball was trying to get past, so he didn't have to run another lap because then he would have run out of gas and he put it in the wall. But smart enough kid to keep his foot in the gas and he finished second. Finished second. Got a nice. I think he got Chevelle for that for his troubles from his owner at the time. So yeah, I, that's the uh, Salesforce car, by the way. Our friend Jesse Riddle works in the Salesforce tower for for the Salesforce that's right, people. He does. Uh, so th- I don't know. That's that, that's my. I, I'm not saying he's going to win, but uh, he's my solid top five. I wouldn't be it's surprised. A, it's a solid team for a one-off team. Dry and Reinbold have they've done a great job. Karen was at the top of the charts yesterday with a number of nobody else. I mean, it was a big toe, but nobody else you know sage karim has had a lot of really bad luck but he can stand on the gas sage is a, yeah I, I would not be surprised at all to see sage in the top 10 if he can make 200 laps right you know that's the that's the deal i mean he went his rookie year he went to the front to the back two or three times in in a dryer Reinbold car uh, that team's going to be back as a full-time team at some point i think all right dakota do you have any idea at all yep i have aj my, is not in the race okay. my uh number one pick is pippa man nope my number two pick is James Hinchliffe. That one may actually come through. It'd be interesting to see what the Vegas odds are on Hinchcliffe and then bet on him now and then he pops into the race and come out and smell like roses. But he, if he got, if if they bought his way in, which I don't think they would, he would come in with the vendetta. It would be pretty interesting to see how motivated he would be. You know, there's a kid we haven't talked about and that's Matty Laced. 
Matty he's the Lace. other. He's the other. Uh, he's a rookie, nineteen years old, younger than Dakota, uh, Brazilian who uh, who's in the team car to Tony Kanaan. And uh, Demello looks pretty strong too. I mean, for, for not been, knowing he was going to be in the car till the right. week before the race or the week before they start practicing. But yeah, Lee's looks really interesting in that he's kind of reminds me of a Daniel Ricciardo from Formula One. He seems pretty carefree, pretty loose. He's not concerned. He's not like really worried about Dude, things. His eyes are out. the size of silver dollars, even in a golf cart in Indianapolis. <laughs> I mean, he is just amazed at what this brings. So it's going to be exciting. I'm, uh, you guys picked a lot of Chevys. Tony Kanaan, by the way, you'll when you when they do the driver introductions on Sunday, mm-hmm. you're gonna have huge ovations. <laughs> you're gonna have a huge ovation for Elio Castroneves. You're gonna have a huge ovation for Ed Carpenter, the pole sitter, and Tony Kanaan. Don't when, forget Danica. Well, and then Danica is gonna be mixed. You're gonna have some boo birds, and there you're gonna have some no love. mixing. There'll be a lot of noise when There's, Danica yeah, is announced. Yeah. There was no mixing. No, there was no mixing. Okay, Nobody, was a they didn't hear anybody scream. It's not her fault from, no. she, from a distance. She she's. She's played that a lot better this year. She's not very smart of a person. She, I listened to her on the Joe Rogan experience. Well, her biggest issue mm-hmm. was a couple of years ago, and I remember I was one of those weekends I was there, and they said, well, what's going on? And she's like, I don't know. It's not my fault. And she bust-tossed her team, which is win or lose. Like James Hinchcliffe afterwards says, win or lose. He's like, we win as a team, we lose as a team. It's a team effort, um, and you don't bust-toss your team on the PA. Joe Rogan was asking her, he's like, so have you always been really interested in cars? And she's like, I, you know, I've never really been a car person. Never really been interested. Okay. She's very different. Uh, it just, yeah, she's, goes, she's not your typical. I think it was what kind of car do you drive? And she said, I don't know. It's like a Tahoe or an Escalade or something like that. I think what's interesting, though, is listening to interviews with drivers. Now, some of them, they say it, and then they don't really mean it. Some of them aren't really car people. They're drivers. They don't care yeah. about their street cars. They just now, drive. Now, I, I did have... I think I listened to an interview with Ross. He's like, yeah, I'm not really that into street cars. I'm like, oh, what do you drive? And he drives like an almost 900-horsepower Audi sedan. Yeah, he's so not like, really big. So he's not real big, but then you got Tony Kanaan usually has some nice cars and stuff. But some of those guys really don't care about the street cars because once they have a race car, what's the point? But, yeah, um, I mean, she was a Carter. She, I mean, she can drive, and she's very controversial. She'll bring up some. But, you know, she when you walk through the garage area, and you see the gross amount of people that want to be in contact with her, you know, it, it's almost the Michael Andretti. Michael Andretti is one of the greatest guys in the world, but he comes off on TV wrong. There's no way about it. And even Marco is that way a little bit. But, you know, just the people that want to touch is it, just amazing. It's incredible. You know, Addie said that she has the utmost respect for Danica that she didn't have before this month started just because of the amount. I mean, there's kids handing you drawings of her. She catches a lot of flack for the way she handles fans, but I think she handles more fans than anybody else she really has to handle. So. ten times the amount of fans. In the peak of her IndyCar existence, 2009, 2010, 2011, when she was at Andretti, um, she was always the person, Dakota, that was most distant. She had, she literally had walls put up where they would be behind, you know, they would be in their garage with the doors closed or when she was in a golf cart, they had the sides up on the golf cart uh, just to give her some distance or separation. I uh, believe it. Where you see somebody like uh, Jay Howard and they're just, you know, they're walking along well, talking to you. They don't, you know, they're well, Jack, they're just as happy to be talking GP to you. GP weekend, else. Jack Harvey, I think I saw him like three or four times just wandering around the track and nobody's talking to him. There's nobody around him. And like I would, I almost felt bad like I should have said, hey, good luck, just so he knew that I knew he was a driver. Yeah. 
because he was just in his Honda thing with his backpack <laughs> on. And like at one point, we were doing a Q and A with Tony Kanan and Kyle Kaiser, who's a rookie, in front of the Pagoda Plaza. And there's like a couple of the camper people stand there. And here goes Jack Harvey, just kind of wandered by and looked over. I'm like, he didn't even think he was important enough to walk over and say and ask, "Do we have any questions or anything?" So yeah, she's she's at the other end of that spectrum. She can't go anywhere, um, and she she handles it, I think as best she can. I walked by her pit yesterday, and you you had to squeeze against the fence to get by her pit area because there's 80 or 100 people staying there trying to get pictures of her, and she's just putting her helmet on. So There we go. All right, well, we're about at the end. Um, I really have enjoyed this. I don't know if any of the other listeners did, but uh, it's a me show, and it's a Dakota show, and it's a Mike show, and it's a Zach show. We had fun about it. So I, I can't, the can't, things, can't wait for race day. The things we're passionate about, we get to talk about on here, and if people don't like it, they can hit skip. But if they liked it, uh, you know, great. Um, if you uh, if you did like the racing chat talk, there's uh, there's more of it out there. Trackside, Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee, or the Marshall Pruitt podcast. I've been li- listening to a lot of Marshall. Yeah, Mar- Marshall, this week. Marshall Pruitt's pretty fantastic. If you like a little bit of technical insight, and then he's been doing a daily show this month um, where he's been talking. He talked to Jay J- uh, talked to Davison. James Davison interview was excellent. I, I, I learned more about James Davison and the struggle and the. If you're looking for a guy to cheer for. That dude has worked his butt I, off. I listened to, to it on earbuds while walking around the track yesterday and then looked up, and like three minutes after I finished it, I look, and Marshall Pertz talking to Davison in the pits. I was like, I was just listening to you. <laughs> He's got a really excellent one. And then if you want to hear history of the track and get a little taste of Donald Davidson, if you follow the track side feed, you'll get Talk of Gasoline Alley, which is Donald Davidson literally taking questions. You call and you say, I want to hear about so-and-so, and it'll be the guy who finished third in the 1913 race, and he'll give you his life story off the top of his head and you get to understand the it's absolutely incredible. It, it, it has, like i said i took his class and it's impossible i like i tried to learn as much as i can but you can't really learn anything because it's tangential thought it's not really a, a, it can't be taught it, it's like just, i tried you know. to do, you can't do an outline because he'll go off on a thing about this house or that house and it talked about back you know back in the day drivers would stay in people's houses and he could i would love to take a tour of speedway and he could point well that's the house where the 2000 you know, or the 1926 winner hung out for the month. So yeah, it's just uh, phenomenal. If you want, uh, if you want homework to go to, we'll send you on that. Yeah, we'll send right. you under deserted yeah, island track, with yeah, about hundred hours of Donald Davidson, Marshall Pruitt, and Talk of <coughs> Gasoline Alley are all they go nightly. Um, Trackside does, Se- I think, right after the mini, day. and then once they start on track, then Marshall Pruitt does, and he goes into some really interesting things so yeah i try to follow all that any other and you know marshall has just really hit the scene the last few years that's been really really good content yeah he's he's been at racer and his podcast a little over a year old right after or maybe it's two years right after rossi won the indy 500 the the there was a episode he had one of his very early ones uh and that was like nobody knew rossi rossi had only been in the country about two years and come come out of f1 and and he won the indy 500 and came in with no personality he came like whitewashed from formula one so nobody I mean, people had a hard time liking him at first, but he's kind of, he's gotten his personality back. Yeah, but that he was comfortable with Marshall, and he spent a half an hour, forty five minutes talking to him. I think the day after the race, and that was kind of where I'm like, okay, I get this guy a little bit, and I can understand. He's him. really he's got a dry sense of humor, and he's an interesting guy. But yeah, he kind of had to come out of the F one shell. They definitely kind of lock you down there. Any other final thoughts, Zach? Uh, Anything to promote? No. Anything you want to sell? Time to trade with Zach? No, nope, just across the camper just, to sell. Just across the street, all the time. Just yeah. It's, I just enjoy the podcast, and if anybody else, if you like another another great, great racing podcast, it's called Dinner with Racers. 
Um, if anybody ever wants to catch that, it's two guys that travel around the country interviewing people, eating meals, and just random people to get racing. It's fantastic for whatever kind of racing they do, sports cars, NASCAR, uh, IndyCar. Ed Carpenter has a great interview uh, on that one as well. So, All right. It's interesting. Very good. Mike, you're a realtor by trade. You ought to try to sell something, get some get some leads. <laughs> people want to list their houses. You know, but- I'm the only guy with three full-time careers over here, you know, but um, – I love the race. Um, it, it's going to be a great race. It always is a great race. You know, when you have family members that you go to the race with year in and year out, and I see the same people. We've got a friend that I went to grade school with named Brad Allen, who is a huge race fan, probably watching. Um, you know, if you've got a guy like that whose son drives Rossi's bus, there's always a local connection to racing. You know, I, you've got Scott Haven who's sold marketing materials to all these teams. You, you've got a lot of local guys. Brent Harvey is one of the engineers on Ed Carpenter. He's from Hagerstown. Hell, Tony Kanon married a Cambridge City girl. That's right. He married a Fortman. Yeah. Or not a nope, uh, nope. uh, Bolander. Bolander. Yes, Laura Bolander. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, it just, it's always had a local flair. Um, you know, I was introduced to it by Jim Davidson and John, his brother's still out there with us every year taking pictures, um, Sunday night or Monday morning, look for AP photo by Mike McCown, you know, there we go. Dakota, are you ready for this? Yep. I guess that's my final thoughts. Of course I have to pitch to Patreon, support us on Patreon. If you enjoy this $5 a month, you can get all kinds of bonus content, but also I really am looking forward to the first Indy 500 that I've gone to. It's, uh, I think it'll be a good time. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it. If you get a chance, just chat with the yellow shirts. They've got great stories. Oh, I bet. And and most of them have been there forever, forever. Like the guy that barked at Ashley Judd, he's always in the same spot. And, uh, there's a guy that I think he said he opened the doors at the museum. When you go in the museum, there's a guy that opened the doors and the tracks open. And somebody asked him how long he's been 30 years. He's been opening that door. So, wow. and sometimes you can just sit and chat with them and they have great stories because they've, if they're in the track on race day, they've probably been there a little while. You can tell in there. Thursday night at the, at the uh, Hall of Fame dinner, the yellow shirt that has protected me from passersby sits right to my right. You know, another photographer that's right behind me sits right to my left. I mean, it's a, it's a great thing. The, uh, my final thought, this my cousin Nick, who's a groomsman at my wedding, I drug him to the race six years ago. He doesn't give a damn about sports. Doesn't come. Doesn't. He's been to the race every year because it's just a, a thing you go to. Yep. It's become our tradition where I get that, him to come here every that day. That story is the only reason that I decided to go. Yeah. It's because Nick, I know Nick doesn't really care about sports yeah. and he likes going. So I, I like, don't think he's ever seen it. a car, but he goes. It's, yeah, it's just the, worth going. Because the nickname for the event is it's the greatest spectacle in racing. So it's not just the race. It's everything that goes on around the race. And Right. So, yeah, it's, you know, I used to stand on the edge of the grandstand when the mortar shell would go off and watch a hearst with urinals strapped to the side of it come flying in, mud flying everywhere. I mean, you'll see some things you've never seen before, I assure you. There will be women in the men's bathroom. I've heard of that. That that's definitely gonna that's show. a thing now. The Chuck yeah. Berry slip and slides. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just brace yourself. You're gonna have you're gonna have stories for the rest of your life. <laughs> all right, that's the end of this one. We will see you all Thursday night. We're gonna have uh, Councilman Clay Morgan, and I think uh, I don't know is, is Cade coming on with us. I I think we have Cade. Yeah, I think it's Cade. All right, yep. we'll see. 
We'll see you all Thursday. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Boss Hog of Liberty, which is part of the We Are Libertarians network. I am Chris Spangle, and I am the founder of this network. And I invite you to listen to all of our shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com or by searching for these in your podcatcher. The flagship show is the We Are Libertarians podcast, where we apply libertarian principles to current events. The Brian Nichols Show is a conversation amongst Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, as they talk about what is happening in the news. And we have many other podcasts like The Chris Spangle Show, Upward, The Cost, Raw Audio Politics, Miranda's World, and Tad Talk, which is quite a ride. So check all of these out. Go to WeAreLibertarians.com and you can check out all of our great podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at WeAreLibertarians.com.